0: On this episode of the Advanced Foundations podcast, basic training will train you in a spiritual boot camp of disciplines to be prepared to be the army of God. Welcome to uh, basic training. This is part five. I want to begin by just a little bit of encouragement to you. Um, The information that I'm sharing here would change your life. So please hear, hear what I'm getting ready to say. Don't just go through this material and say, okay, I've done that. Uh, I encourage you to go back and go through the various lessons. There is a lot of material here, and so you can go back and look up some scriptures yourself. The Word will change your life. Last week we talked about, or the last session we, we did, we talked about the weapon that we have is the Word of God. Jesus used the Word of God. And we need to learn how to use the word. The word is so important. So I cannot overemphasize that you need to spend time really in the word of God. Now, this particular part today, I want, to, I want to start off by talking about we need to understand the war that we're in. The children of Israel, when they were in captivity in Egypt, they were there for 400 years. They were ended up being slaves, and God delivered them and brought them out. And he said, I brought you out to take you in. God never takes us out of something that he doesn't have a good plan to take us into something. Maybe he's going to take them into the promised land. He said, the reason that I'm not taking you into the promised land immediately is because you don't know war. So Wait a minute, war? You're giving us the promised land. I mean, why would there need to be war? Well, because when they went in to look at the promised land, it was already occupied and there were giants in there. It's like Wow, that's not a very good deal. What, what kind of a promise is that? They never could understand that God's plan from the beginning is for man to represent him on earth. Uh, the original mandate was to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion out of Genesis 1:28. Well, subdue and dominion are warfare terms. So God's plan from the beginning was that there was something for man to do on earth to represent him. God has not changed his mind the enemy is here. So a lot of times what happens for us, we get born again and saved, and we think it's supposed to be problem-free living. No, it's not. We're supposed to be representing God on earth, and the enemy is already here. So I'm going to begin with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Now this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus that was at Ephesus, and he's But told them who they are, told them what to do, and now he comes to the end. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Years ago... Uh, James Robinson had an influence in our life. He would he said, you know, most of the churches just said, we just don't wrestle. Don't wrestle at all. But we but we have to. And it's a very uh, wrestling is a very intense hand to hand combat. Verse thirteen says, Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, I think he wants us to stand and to resist the enemy having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, take the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Clearly, we, we don't battle people. but well, What Paul is telling us here, but we do battle. We, wrestling is a very hand-to-hand, intense Deal and, and we've got to recognize that there's a war that's going on. Revelation 12, 9 through 11 says, The great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night was cast down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and did not love their lives to death. So we have an enemy. The enemy is God's enemy. And it, the names here, Satan, serpent, uh, deceiver, he's a liar. John eight forty four refers to him as a murderer and the father of lies. So my question now is if we... Think about this for just a moment. Do you realize that just because you have thoughts, those thoughts are not necessarily from you? Do you realize that the enemy could be giving you thoughts? Let me ask you a question. When Jesus is in the wilderness, we have the Father speaking from heaven. We have the Holy Spirit on Jesus. The, The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Did the devil, was he in flesh and blood? Was he there in person in some kind of a a little horn suit with a tail? Doesn't say that we we have no record of Satan actually putting on flesh and dwelling among us. We see him in the garden talking to Eve. the serpent was there. But we don't know that that Jesus was certainly in the flesh, but we don't know that the enemy was, what was he? More than likely, thoughts. Do you realize those thoughts? A lot of times the enemy gives you thoughts. He is after your mind. Romans 8, 6, which is a real, just real simple little verse here. It says to be carnally minded or be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now I can assure you the enemy knows that verse. He knows that verse because he knows that if he can get you thinking negatively, if he can get you to thinking on, on circumstances, if he can get you thinking on bad things, It's going to produce death, and that's what he's after. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus, I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundant. So the battle is in the mind, but we have a war that's going on here. We've got to understand the nature of of our enemy, who's a liar. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly accusing us. He's constantly trying to get us to believe a lie. Because if, if he can get us to walking not in truth and get our mind set on something other than the Lord, it's going to produce death. So he wants to kill us. That's the bottom line. If we, if we don't keep our minds set upon him, if we don't keep our mind set on things above, on the spiritual things, which he says brings life and peace, what will happen is it's going to bring death and destruction, setting our mind on the problems and the circumstances of life. We gotta realize that the word of God is the anchor. We've gotta know the word and we've gotta be able to dwell upon the word and let that word become flesh in us. Because if the word doesn't become, then what happens is something else does. That something else is always gonna pull us back down to negative things. So the battle that's going on, the nature of this battle is in the mind. It is over your mind. The enemy is trying to get you to think on fleshly negative things. Okay? Now I want to I want to move it to another level here. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. And what he said to him he said, if you are the Son of God, why don't you do something? Um, that, that is a very subtle thing, but it's so important. When we fell in the garden, when man fell in the garden, what happened was that we became orphans and we became performance oriented. So what that means is, is that we're, we're raised up in a land where really everything we have is our worth is based upon our performance. Let me say it this way. Good parents, bad parents, you know, we're basically rewarded for when we do good and we're punished when we do bad. So it's ingrained in us. And then you go to school, so if you do good, you get rewarded, and, and, and everybody tells you how great you are. If you do bad, everybody tells you how bad you are. We're constantly ingrained in us a performance orientation that basically, and then we take it into sports, we take it in everything we do. So if I do good, I feel better about myself. If I don't do good, I feel bad about myself. And so this, this plays into this whole thing. So the enemy is always trying to get us to get our worth, our identity from our performance. So what happens is the enemy knows that. So then he comes along and tries to get us to not perform and, the, and attack us, make us feel bad. The truth of the matter is, is that listen, what happened with Jesus? He went to the cross and died for us. He extended grace to us, and it went in our salvation. And our relationship with him has got nothing to do with our performance. Say that one more time. Our performance has got nothing to do with his salvation. It has all to do with his performance. So what happens is if we don't get over this and recognize and understand what the enemy is doing, he is constantly trying to get us to perform to be accepted. We bring this into the church. We bring this into our relationship with God. Oh, you know, I messed up. I feel bad. I didn't do a very good job. Then I feel like that I've I've done something to disappoint God. Um, but again, God may not like everything I do, but He loves me. So what happens is is that if I base my relationship on my performance, I'm going to be the enemy is going to wear me out. He's going to he's going to have me all over the place, and I'm never going to enjoy what Jesus has done because he has paid the price so I can have a relationship with him. So this battle that's going on, I'm telling you, is a battle in your mind to try to get you to think negative thoughts, to try to get you to to get your focus down instead of up, and worry about what you do or what you don't do. And it's really not based upon this. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, how can we come boldly to the throne of grace? It's got nothing to do with based on our performance. It has, the only way that we can come to the throne of grace is through the blood of Jesus. It's not based upon our performance. It's based upon what he has done. Now, I'm taking some time here emphasizing this because if we don't understand our position is not because of our performance, but it's based on what Jesus has done. We're going to never win the battle. We've got to get to a place where we recognize, wow, It is by grace. It is totally God's gift of grace to me that he has made me accepted in the beloved, that he has forgiven me completely, and that my relationship with him is not based upon my performance. Wow. That'll set you free. Now, if you couldn't, let me go back to, okay, how do we overcome? How do we really live in in this overcoming nature? Well, the same way Jesus did. What did he say? It is written. We talked about that last week, the word of God, it is written. What is written? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it, we keep going back. I keep going around and around because we've got to make sure we are grounded in the reality is our victory is in Christ. And the way we connect to that victory is through his word. It is our weapon. So it's the sword of the spirit. So we've got to understand how do you overcome? Well, we overcome through the blood of the Lamb. We read in Revelations, the word of our testimony, and we love not our life unto death. So what he's saying here is that just like Jesus, when the, the enemy came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, once you turn these stones into bread? Well, as we said earlier, he dropped out the beloved. He challenged the love and identity that the father had spoken to him. And he said, oh yeah, by the way, why don't you do something to prove that you're the son of God. Now, this is real key. Jesus said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. He basically says, devil, my father spoke 40 days before. I heard it. I believed it. It's settled. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna do one thing. I know I'm a son of God. I'm his beloved. And we've got to get to that same place give You another example in the garden, serpent comes to Eve and says, Hey, you can't eat of all the fruit of the trees out here. This is in Genesis 3, if you want to go look it up. And she says, Oh, no, 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 we can eat of all the trees out there. He said, We could eat, but we can't eat of the tree that's in the middle because if we eat of that tree, we'll, you know, uh, that it will die. And he said, Oh, you won't die. You know, God knows that the moment you eat that tree, you're going to be like him. Well, here's the problem the problem was that Eve started dialoguing with the serpent. Now, let's take this into modern time. I don't know if the serpent was standing there or if those were thoughts or not, but I can tell you today, those are thoughts that go in our mind. And when we start that dialogue, you know, God will say, well, if God really, I mean, the devil will tell tell you that if God really loved you, you wouldn't be going through these problems. And you go, yeah, that's right. Man, you know, if God really loved me, I wouldn't be having these problems I'm having right now. Oh, you know, listen, listen, listen. God doesn't really love you. By the way, he doesn't even like you. And you go, oh, no, man, that's terrible. I can't believe it. And and then he'll give you some bad thoughts and you'll think, oh, my gosh. And you'll go, I can't believe He had bad thoughts like that. A good person doesn't have bad thoughts like that. And you go, oh, my gosh, it's just, it's getting worse. It's always going to get worse if you don't understand the battle that's in your mind. That, those thoughts, he gives you thoughts, condemns you for having the thoughts, and we're so gullible, we go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I had those thoughts. Listen, Jesus overcame by saying, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. You've got to understand the power of his word. The word is everlasting. It's living. And so if you, the only way to win is that we have to know the word. We have to know what he says and not what the thoughts that are going through our mind are because those thoughts, many of those thoughts can come and they're not from God at all. But God wants us to win. He won. He wants us to win. He is the victory and he wants us to walk in that victory. So warfare, the warfare we're never going to escape the warfare. We're living in a fallen world we're in a war whether you like it or not. you know say well I don't really like that. I don't really want to fight. don't have an option. Uh, you, you, we're in a world where sin and death and and all this junk is still here. And God has put us here. He has saved us so that we can represent Him. That's why we're doing basic training, so that you can get equipped to understand that. Wait a minute! I've I've already got the victory. Jesus has already paid for the victory. Now I've got to appropriate that victory in my life. How? By the Word of God. Now I want us to uh, to turn to 2 Corinthians, and this is chapter ten. Uh, this is a a, a powerful passage. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I'm going to break this down and want to talk about this because we're all of us, depending on how long we've walked in the world, we're going to have various strongholds, and those are things that cause us to stumble, and we've got to learn how to overcome those. It says we have weapons that are mighty in God. So let me start over and just walk through this. Though we're in the flesh, we're, we're, we're in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Now remember Ephesians says, though, we, we do not battle against people. We battle against spiritual forces of wickedness, and we battle against an unseen enemy, but it's as real as can be. So it's the same thing here. You don't battle against people. Our warfare is not against people. And we have weapons that are mighty. They're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now here's what I'm going to read this. This is a quote from Ed Savoso, an evangelist. He said a stronghold. This is what a stronghold is. It's a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. Now, when you think about that for just a moment, you're talking about a, wow, that is something that, do we have strongholds? Now, we've got, we could spend hours on talking about strongholds, but there are strongholds of bondage or strongholds of weakness there are strongholds of containment there's all kinds of strongholds that we have, and we don't even recognize and don't even fully understand these strongholds that are in our life. Now, I'm gonna pray here in just a moment, and just ask God to show you these strongholds. But He says we have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down these strongholds, and He goes on to say that we have that we're casting down arguments and high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. What is an argument? An argument is is like evidence. In a courtroom and when you think about it for just a moment the devil comes up and he says oh whoa, you prayed nothing changed oh you you've got you thought counsel nothing changed oh you really believe god nothing's changed so it's the evidence that support that stronghold oh you're ever going to get free i mean if you i mean if god really loved you you'd already be free oh if, if god really were good you wouldn't be going through these problems that's the evidence. That's called arguments. Those are those are supporting evidence and data that the enemy tries to bombard your mind with to get you to keep that stronghold. Because again, what a stronghold is, is an area of hopelessness that you don't think can change. Now, there's nothing hopeless in God. But this is the areas of bondage that the enemy is trying to keep you in. And so what that is, it's the evidence that supports that. And basically, you're constantly, the enemy is beating you up, constantly telling you that, wow, you know, you're never going to get free. And that's really what, what the enemy wants to do. Now, I want to, the next part, it says, casting down um, arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is a high thing? Well, the high thing is the enemy is accusing God. So what we have here, you have a stronghold, which is a stronghold. I may have a stronghold of anger. I may have a stronghold of unforgiveness. I may have a stronghold of, of, of whatever I may be dealing with that, that I can't get free of. Well, those arguments are the evidence that I can't get free. Look at what you've done. You've been through ministry. You've been to church. You did what they told you to do. You can't get free. God doesn't really love you. That's the next step. These high things are the devil accusing God of not being good. Oh, oh, if God were good, you wouldn't be going through these problems. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be having these problems. And the reality is, wait, wait, wait a minute, God is good. He is perfect. So you understand the layers that are layered in here of this stronghold. So we battle not against flesh and blood, but we do battle spiritual principalities and powers. The battle is in your mind. And the mind, what's going on is that the enemy is bombarding you with thoughts. And if you, again, if you don't know that those thoughts are not necessarily coming from you, but from the enemy, you're going to be completely defeated. You got to realize that the enemy is trying to get your mindset on the negative things. He is keeping you boxed in. And that's what a stronghold does. It boxes you in. It keeps you in defeat. And so we're going to pray here in just a moment, but any area that you don't believe can change, that's a stronghold. If you if you, if you you say to yourself, well, I don't think that can change. I can't change. Um, my life can't change. My finances can't change. My relationship, my marriage can't change. That's a stronghold. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's supported by the evidence that look at what's going on. Nothing's going on good. So he says, yeah, you know, gosh, what do I do with that? And then you've got to recognize the accusations against God. God. Because the devil hates God. He hates you. But he's always accusing God of not being good. And see, God is good. God is love. So that's what's going on all the time. So we've got to understand this battle. This is the warfare that's going on. Now, what and how do we overcome? Well, I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 3. and There's a number of passages that we can go here. But we have to learn how to take thoughts captive obedience to be in Christ. You've got to learn how to stop the negative traffic that's going on in your mind. Because the devil knows that if the mind's in the flesh, it's going to produce death. So he's going to do everything possible to try to get you to set your mind on circumstances and situations that are not going very well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting, the right hand of God. Powerful passage here. He said, look, if you're in Christ, if, if you've been raised up in Christ, if you've been born again, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Why? Because when you understand what Jesus is doing at the right hand of God, he is the absolute total victor. He has already defeated the enemy. He is at the right hand, the the hand, at the right hand of God. The place of authority—he is—he—that's where he is. So he's saying, "Look, if you've been born again, if you're in Christ, then you've got to—you've got to set your mind on things up there. You've got to start looking up there. You've got to begin to realize. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus, Jesus has already won this deal. He's already paid. He's not up there wringing his hands and hoping that he makes it. No, no. He is seated. He is waiting until his enemies are made his footstool." Verse two says, "Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth." So, you are responsible for your mind. You're responsible for what's going in your mind and 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 the thoughts that are going on. So, when Second Corinthians says, "Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ," we've got to, we've got to develop the skills through the Word of God that when you hear those negative thoughts, you've got to stop them. When the thought said, God doesn't love you, you got to go, wait a minute. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God loves me. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care who rejected you. I don't care who said something to you. The fact of the matter is the devil is constantly trying to get you to believe a lie. When he says, well, you, you're really not all that good. You know, you, you, God doesn't really love you. You didn't do what you should be doing. You've got to stop that traffic right there and go, wait a minute. I am his beloved and he is well-pleased with me. He's not well-pleased with everything I do, but he's well-pleased with me. Because the devil is after trying to destroy you. And that's how he uses that mind for So what this says is, you set your mind on things above. It literally means to set your affections, set your focus upon him, because he loves you. Since you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So... You are responsible for setting your mind on things above. You're responsible for what goes in your mind. You can't stop. Let me rephrase that. You cannot stop what goes in your mind. You cannot stop the thoughts that the enemy brings and what somebody says to you. What you're responsible for is to wait. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not receiving that thought. I'm not going to receive that accusation. I'm not going to receive that negative stuff. I'm going to say no, and it is written God loves me, and that's what you have to get to. So what I want to do, I want to pray, and I want to pray for us because we are loaded with strongholds. I'm just telling you, we've got all kinds of areas, and God wants to break those things. He wants to destroy those strongholds. He says we have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for shattering those strongholds. We have weapons. What is it, the Word of God? We have other weapons, prayer and praise and worship, but the truth is that we have the Word of God to shatter those strongholds so that we don't have to be in bondage to anybody. Now, again, let me give you a big picture. Context is, is that we're we're going through basic training to so that we can live in victory and represent Him. So the whole point is understanding the nature of the war. He's after your mind. So I want to pray. I want to pray that God would expose you, pray, and ask Him to show you Lord, show me the areas. You know, the truth is, you don't even have to pray about this because you already know those areas that you're defeated in. You already know those areas that you don't believe can change. All you have to do is just be honest with God. See, I just, you know, I I think my lot in life is I'm stuck. Be honest with Him. Then, how do you overcome a stronghold? You got to go back to the Word. The weapon that we have is the Word. It pulls down those strongholds. So, Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you that you are the King. You have loved us and given to us everything. You've defeated the enemy, and you're now at the right hand of the Father, waiting until your enemies are made your footstool. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So I'm asking, Lord, to not only reveal the strongholds, but help us to know what the Word says so we can destroy those and that we can live in freedom. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to understand the battle that's in the mind how the enemy is constantly trying to lie to us because he is a liar and the father of lies. And he wants to accuse us and cause us all kinds of problems. Help us, Lord, to see the truth, to walk in the truth, and to know you so that we can represent you lord In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.